Ever thought about owning a piece of history? Introducing the Newt Gingrich Contract with America coin from Legacy Precious Metals. My limited edition silver coin celebrates the historic Republican victory in 1994, marking a turning point in American politics. Give a gift with real historical weight this season. Order now at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da, 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. On this episode of Newt's World... I have sat in the Oval Office with both of the men who are running for president. I never expected that my successor would embrace my vision or continue my policies. I did hope, for the sake of our country, that Donald Trump might show some interest in taking the job seriously. That he might come to feel the weight of the office and discover some reverence for the democracy that had been placed in his care. But he never did. Under this administration, authoritarianism has taken root in our country. I and my family and many of yours know the insidious way authoritarianism destroys democracy, decency, and humanity. This president is not just a threat to our democracy, but by rejecting science, he has put our lives and health in jeopardy. I wish Donald Trump knew how to be a president because America needs a president right now. Joe and Kamala can win by three million votes and still lose. Take it from me. So we need numbers overwhelming so Trump can't sneak or steal his way to victory. This virus, it has no eyes. And yet it knows exactly how we see each other and how we treat each other. And let's be clear, there is no vaccine for racism. Right now, we have a president who turns our tragedies into political weapons. The current president has cloaked American darkness for much too long. Too much anger, too much fear, too much division. Here and now, I give you my word. If you entrust me with the presidency, I will draw on the best of us, not the worst. I'll be an ally of the light, not the darkness. So it's with great honor and humility, I accept this nomination for president of the United States of America. I 
I thought it would be really appropriate between the Democratic and Republican conventions just to talk some about conventions. I've had a long fascination with them. My first experience, my dad was stationed at Fort Riley, Kansas. And in 1956, I got to watch the conventions, which back then were black and white television. And the equipment was very big, very cumbersome. You couldn't have cameras down on the floor. And people who are now long gone, people like Huntley Brinkley, Walter Cronkite, they were there. And it was all kind of magic to this young kid in Kansas watching it. I was for Eisenhower because my family, particularly my Uncle Cal, had been a Republican precinct worker for like 40 years. The 56 convention was really interesting on the Democratic side because Adlai Stevenson, the nominee, decided that he wanted some excitement. So he decided not to pick anybody to be vice president and throw it wide open and let the delegates pick. There was a logical vice presidential candidate in Estes Kefauver, who was a populist, wore a coonskin cap, campaigned as sort of a Southern populist tradition, had run against Truman in 52, making Truman very bitter, and then had run against Stevenson and come reasonably close to winning, but only Stevenson got to be the nominee in both 52 and 56. And so Keith Offer probably had the initial advantage, but then a really bright, attractive young Catholic from Boston emerged and John F. Kennedy, and he came really close to winning. And in doing so, while Keith Offer got to be the vice presidential nominee, Kennedy got the name ID, which set the stage for him to come back in, in 1960. In 60, the excitement shifted to the Republicans where Nixon, trying to unify the party, had worked out an agreement with Nelson Rockefeller who was the leader of the liberal wing, that infuriated the conservatives. And so a number of delegates, particularly in the Louisiana delegation, put Barry Goldwater's name in as the vice presidential candidate. Goldwater got up and asked him to withdraw it. He'd only been in office a very few years, but already had made a real name for himself as a solid conservative. And four years later, he would become the Republican nominee. The 64 convention was fascinating from the Republican side because the party was so deeply, bitterly split that people booed Rockefeller, for example. They booed the news media. In some ways, you could argue that the deep hostility between the conservative wing and the news media goes back at least to the Goldwater campaign. It was a wild convention. Eisenhower gave a surprisingly tough speech and took on the news media. And Goldwater got nominated and then went down to defeat. By 68, I was a graduate student by then, and I went to Miami Beach to see the convention which nominated Nixon. I wasn't a delegate yet, so I wasn't inside the room. But it was just fascinating to see thousands of people showing up. Conventions attract both hard partisans in the sense of people who are intensely Republican or Democrat. They also attract people who just like politics. So on the Republican side, for example, you have people who wear elephant jewelry, and they do all sorts of things that remind you they're Republican. On the Democratic side, you'd have a similar pattern with people wearing donkey jewelry. I think actually we have the better pet mascot in that sense. The 68 convention was probably one of Nixon's best speeches. He went on to win the general election by a very narrow margin. By contrast, the 68 Democratic convention was a nightmare. There had been months and months of planning by various left-wing people who were radicals. It led to riots in the street in Chicago. They had what was called a police riot. Mayor Daley was infuriated that people would screw up this convention that was supposed to be sort of a peak celebration of his period as mayor. And 
it led to such a bloody mess that for about two months, Vice President Humphrey, who had been nominated for president, was just recovering from the sheer rage and anger inside the party. So there was a convention where you really did have some very significant things going on. By 72, Nixon had figured out that you needed to really seal off your convention against protesters and demonstrators and what have you. So they ran a very controlled convention. By contrast, George McGovern, who was the reform product of the left wing of the Democratic Party, really felt like he had to be totally open. And one of the things which sank his campaign was that a group of left-wing activists about one in the morning decided that they had to talk to McGovern and they had to negotiate part of the platform. And McGovern, idiotically, goes down from his suite and ends up in the atrium of their hotel negotiating with these people live on television, looking totally weak and incapable. And it was one of the things that got people to just say, you know, this guy can't cut it. By the time they came out of the convention, the Democrats were shambles and had a really difficult challenge, which they did not ever overcome, compounded in part because their vice presidential nominee, Tom Eagleton, turned out, senator from Missouri, turned out to have been taking electroshock therapy for depression. And at that time in America, it was inconceivable in the middle of the Cold War with the Russians that you were going to have a commander-in-chief who had been taking shock therapy. By 76, there was a fascinating convention on our side because you had Governor Reagan taking on the incumbent president, Jerry Ford, who had succeeded. And what was truly, this is the kind of stuff you can't write novels about. Spiro Agnew turned out to have been taking groceries. And therefore, he had to resign because he'd been accepting bribes as vice president. Uh, truly one of the dumbest things we've ever seen a vice president do, captured brilliantly in a book by Whitcover called A Heartbeat Away. So he resigns. And Nixon, who's already in trouble with Watergate, needs to get somebody through the Congress to get him approved. And Jerry Ford is the Republican leader in the House, widely liked, a really nice man. And so Nixon picks Ford. Ford gets accepted. And you know, a year later, Nixon resigns. So now here's Jerry Ford as president. He tries to be a centrist in a party which is moving to the right. So he keeps Henry Kissinger as his advisor. He picks Nelson Rockefeller to be his vice president. And I've always thought it's an interesting question. If Reagan had been offered the vice presidency instead of Rockefeller, how much different the world might have been. But Ford picked Rockefeller. Reagan decided to run in 76. So you have an insurgent Republican who'd been governor of California taking on the basically appointed president. They come within 70 votes of winning. The convention itself is amazing. And in one of those magic moments, Ford decides that he will be generous and will unify the party. And so the night of his acceptance speech, he invites his good friend Ronnie Reagan to come down from where he's sitting and chat with the audience. Well, Reagan had developed an acceptance speech that was in his brain. As a good actor, he was capable of absorbing this kind of stuff. And so he goes down and and thanks Ford and then gives a speech for about 12 minutes with Ford staring in total disbelief because Ford thought he'd say one or two nice things. As a friend of mine said, he realized at the end of the speech we'd nominated the wrong guy. It's a brilliant speech. And so Reagan meets the next day with his team and he says, we did all we could, we should have our heads high, that whatever happens to us doesn't matter, the movement will go on. 
And it's pretty clear that he doesn't think he'll ever run again. Ford goes on, comes very close to beating Carter. Carter had won a convention, and Carter is one of those great upsurges. He was a brilliant chameleon. He was a peanut farmer. He was a nuclear engineer. He ran at one point as both a moderate in favor of integration and as the candidate of Wallace voters who were against integration. And he just had that capacity to do things. He got to be the nominee. By 1980, he had failed pretty badly as president. Reagan comes along, wins the convention decisively. I've always been a strong believer in the importance of investing wisely. That's why I've personally invested in Legacy Precious Metals. At Legacy Precious Metals, they're not leaving your financial future to chance. They're on a mission to help you secure your financial future post-retirement. In partnership with them, I'm thrilled to announce the launch of the Newt Gingrich contract with America Coin. This limited edition coin is made of one ounce of 99.99% fine silver, commemorating the historic moment when, against all odds, we balanced the budget for the last time in U.S. history. This coin isn't just an investment. It's a piece of our nation's history. And now you can own it. As the holiday season approaches, it's the perfect gift. You can purchase yours today by calling 866-484-4043. That's 866-484-4043. Or order online at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. 
Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Conventions are these like giant communities of people who come together with enormous intensity for one to two weeks. They party full-time, they talk full-time, they plot full-time. They just love being in the middle of politics, and then they disperse and go back home. And every four years, the party loyalists surge again into some new place and have a wonderful time and are reminded why they're Democrats or why they're Republicans and why they're involved in politics. My first convention actually was 84, where I was involved with Reagan's re-election. And from our side, there wasn't a great deal of excitement. It was a great convention. Everybody was really happy. I did a whole series of workshops. I had just written a book called Window of Opportunity, which was designed as a advice to the Republicans in campaigning. And so I did a bunch of workshops at the convention, which was a habit I sustained for many years. Interestingly, in 84, I also had the job of going to San Francisco, where I headed up a watchdog group whose job was to hold a press conference every day and repudiate Mondale and the Democrats. Mondale would become the Democratic nominee. Two quick stories out of that give you a flavor of these kind of things. Now, remember, back in 1984, San Francisco was seen as a very radical, very different city. We were having our convention in Dallas, which had the largest Baptist church in America. They're having their convention in San Francisco with the largest gay rights movement. I actually had an interview with CBS News in an open park in the middle of the day, and the reporter says to me, gee, do you think there's any meaning to the fact that you guys are going to Dallas with this largest church, and the Democrats have come here with the largest gay rights movement. Literally at that second, Sister Boom Boom, who was about 6'2 or 6'3, comes walking up in a dress and hands me an invitation to an exorcism of Jerry Falwell on Friday. And the reporter looks at it and looks at Sister Boom Boom and looks at me and says, we have to reshoot this. There is no possibility that the editors in New York will ever believe you didn't set this up. So we reshot it. But I always thought it was a great moment and told you a lot about the contrast and the excitement and the openness of the American system at its best. When we were all there, we probably disagreed deeply about ideas, but nonetheless, we were all having a pretty good time. The other great moment, of course, was that Walter Mondale in his acceptance speech says, the other guy is going to raise your taxes, but he won't tell you. But I want you to know, if you elect me, I will raise your taxes. Well, we frankly closed up our operation on the grounds that we didn't want to clutter Mondale's message. We were following Woodrow Wilson's rule that you never murder a man is in the process of committing suicide. And we thought that that pledge to raise taxes was so crazy. I actually ran into at lunch that day, Paul Simon, who was a Democratic congressman running for the U.S. Senate in Illinois. And Paul and I had a good relationship because we were both historians. And I said, what do you think of this? He said, I could not imagine why he would do that. And I can promise you, I will be as far away from it in my Senate campaign as I can get. And I thought I just sort of told you how that year was going to work out. By 88, we were involved in a very different kind of circumstance. Bush was substantially behind, and we were 
going to have a convention in New Orleans, and people were sort of roused up. This was Reagan's last convention as an incumbent president. The team knew how to put together a pretty good convention. There was a lot of suspense about who he was going to pick to be vice president. And then when he did finally pick Dan Quayle, who I thought was very competent and very smart, but who the news media just immediately began to attack, it added to some of the fun of the convention. And again, part of what happens with these conventions is, if you're lucky, your party goes to a cool place. So if you get to go to a four or five or six day party in New Orleans, you think you're doing all right. And it certainly built our morale and kept us going. I'm not going to go up through all the rest of them. I'm going to give that background to then looking at what we're doing this year. And I will tell you at this break point between the Democrat and Republican conventions that I have no idea what the Republicans are going to do. But I do know that Donald Trump made a very good living doing reality TV and has a very good sense of drama and a very good sense of showmanship. I'm looking forward to seeing exactly what they have put together because they've had months to think this through. It will clearly have a lot more interaction with people than the Democrats did. I think it'll probably be more dynamic, and I suspect there'll be a lot more surprises. I thought the Democrats had a couple of disadvantages. I've said this pretty openly. They would bring in actors and actresses, but those aren't the key people. What they should have done is bring in somebody like Steven Spielberg. You needed producers and directors. You needed people, you could say to them, give us a Disney quality Tuesday night to make it exciting. We have enormous capability in this country to produce things that are exciting and interesting. I thought the number one characteristic of the Democratic Convention was boredom. They had a lot of people who were allowed to speak outside of prime time. And of course, a lot of them are fairly nuts. There's a whole bunch of videotape of various and sundry marginal Democrats saying crazy things. And I think that will all emerge in the next week or so, sort of just to remind you who these people really are. I thought for the main players, they did a pretty good disciplined job. Their number one job was to say, Donald Trump is a meanie and we're not. And that was the essence of it. As long as they could say Donald Trump's doing bad things and we're not, they were winning. And I think that they did adequately at that. Obama was a very good speaker, which he always is. Clinton was a pretty good speaker, but I think he's sort of lost a step over the years. And the truth is, they didn't want to tell you anything about what they really stood for, because what they really stand for is not popular. And so they were essentially saying, Joe Biden is a terrific guy who really likes people, pets, dogs, and likes to have a cat sit in his lap. And wouldn't you like to have a president who's really nice, who likes people? They didn't want to talk about any of their policy positions, but they also knew If they were too openly moderate, their left wing would go crazy. And if they were too openly left wing, the country would go crazy. And so they wanted to be as boring as possible and just get through this stuff. I think they also had a couple of challenges. The one is that, as a general rule, watching people do things that are not dynamic, unless they're really good at it, they lose your attention. We're all used to living in a world of very fast-paced movies, very fast-paced sporting events, very fast-paced music. And so when you watch people who, even reasonably good public speakers, are not as exciting as reasonably bad movies. And so I think that was a very big challenge for them, and their audience sort of showed that.
Throughout history, there are clear moments that define our nation's path, and now you can own a piece of that history. I am thrilled to announce the Newt Gingrich Contract with America coin from Legacy Precious Metals. My limited edition, one-ounce silver coin commemorates the historic victory in 1994 when the Republican Party, under my leadership, took control of Congress. The Newt Gingrich Contract with America coin also symbolizes the transformative political platform that led to landmark achievements like the overhaul of the welfare system and the Balanced Budget Act. This holiday season, give the gift of history. The Newt Gingrich Contract with America coin is more than an investment. It's a tribute to honest government and to America. Available to order right now by calling 866-484-4043. That's 866-484-4043. Or order online at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. (laughs) I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. I will say I thought that Joe Biden had probably the best speech of his career. I thought it was written probably by either Obama or Clinton speechwriters or both. I thought he delivered it effectively. He was forceful where he needed to be. He was emotionally sympathetic where he needed to be. 
Uh, he hit a whole lot of themes that were non-ideological about patriotism and America being a great country, but he did it well. And so I think you have to give him some credit for that. I watched Kamala Harris. I'm not at all a fan of her. I think she's a disaster. I think it was a big mistake for Biden to pick her. I think anybody who is the most radical member of the Senate, when that means they had to vote to the left of Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, which just think about it, what a hard job that is. I think that they're not in the long run going to go down very well. What I was struck with with her speech was that she wasn't very comfortable. Biden, to his credit, rose to the occasion, I thought was more than adequately comfortable, and delivered a pretty long speech, pretty authoritatively. Even when she had really good lines, she delivered them a little bit like the high school class president at the graduation ceremony, where they're doing okay, but they're not really sure how the audience is going to react to this next thing. And if you watch it, there's a tentativeness in her speech that was kind of, I thought, surprising. If you'd asked me before we went into it, I would have said that she would be more forceful and that Biden would be more reticent. But in fact, what we got was just the opposite. Biden did the best, I think, literally the best speech of his career. And I thought she had sort of a flat introduction to the country. And she had a tendency to smile in a way that's kind of like, now you really believe me, don't you? And since I don't really believe her, I didn't find it very effective. But we'll see in the next few days what the polls say. Looking forward, I think it'll be very interesting to see what the president does on Thursday. I'll bet you right now, the Republicans will be dramatically more fact-oriented and dramatically more policy-oriented. And we'll have a critique of the Democrats that's pretty fact-based, pretty historically based. And I think in that context, it'll be interesting to see whether or not they have any effect. Remember, when you have these kind of conventions, probably 80% of your audience is people who are already for you. You're going to have a very hard time getting the other team to watch you. And one of the things that marks independence is they frankly don't like politics. It's very conceivable that they will have a limited reach. The two great losses in what they're now doing, and I have no idea what it will mean for the future. Party leaders would probably love to find a way to eliminate conventions. They're expensive, they're complicated, they're slightly uncontrollable. You never know which faction is going to do something bizarre. But it is, I think, a real loss to the process of building parties if we cease to have conventions. This is the one time every four years that thousands and thousands of people get together and remind themselves that they're activists in the two parties and remind themselves that politics and government really matters. And they've been historically now for over almost 200 years, very useful instruments in sustaining the process of people being engaged. And you would have had a much more challenging convention this year if they had had a normal traditional convention because the Sanders wing would have pushed much harder for change on the floor. Because it's so totally controlled, you ended up with really domination by the old order. When AOC gets one minute and a whole range of people who have no impact at all get a lot more time, you know that the fix is in and that the establishment is trying to minimize exposure of the people who are their most dynamic and most radical elements. So I think it will be sad if this is the end of the convention process. I hope it's not, but I think that will require us to get beyond the pandemic and see where we are by 2024. Next week, I'll talk about the Republican convention, what they tried to accomplish, and whether or not they actually got it done. 
You can read more about my take on the Democratic National Convention on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers, and our producer is Garnsey Sloan. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. Please email me with your questions at gingrich360.com slash questions. I'll answer them in future episodes. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. On the next episode of Newt's World, I'm always looking for new voices, and I recently met Rob Smith. As Rob describes himself, he's problematic. Why? Because he doesn't fit the typical profile of anybody. He makes you think. He approaches things differently. I'm pleased to announce his new podcast, Rob Smith is Problematic, which is part of the Gingrich 360 Network. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. Ever thought about owning a piece of history? Introducing the Newt Gingrich Contract with America coin from Legacy Precious Metals. My limited edition silver coin celebrates the historic Republican victory in 1994, marking a turning point in American politics. Give a gift with real historical weight this season. Order now at NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. That's NewtGingrichSilverCoin.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. <laughs> I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today.